Good afternoon and welcome to Dateline New Haven on WNHH-FM, your home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Well, it's the home stretch, folks. Six weeks, a little less, from Election Day. Candidates are making their final argument. We have someone today in the room today who's looking for a turnaround to change the conversation, to change the momentum. Bob Stefanowski, Republican governor. Candidate, welcome back to WNHHF. I always like I always like watching you dance behind the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it is this Afro-Semitic experience. It's kind of jazz, but also Jewish music. Like you yeah, it's like uh, you can't not. I love it. <laughs> and thanks, thanks for having me on, Paul. You're well, you've been on the move. I oh mean, yeah. Today is Thursday, yeah. and you already had a debate. You already had a press conference last night. You had a fundraiser with the governor of Georgia. Mm-hmm. You're running hard, Bob, and you're running behind. The polls have you down ten to fifteen points. You and I, based on experience, know that. That's probably a bigger margin than it really is, but we know you're behind. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do to change the uh, <laughs> dynamic there? Not a lot. Uh, to I mean, be are you optimistic that you can? Yeah. I mean, uh, last time around 2018, we were down, I think, about 10, 12 points. Uh, this is a single digit race for, for sure, uh, depending on what poll you look at. Um, part of it, 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 Paul, is Governor Lamont has really spent, uh, he spent eight, uh, let's see, he spent $4 million in uh, July and August, uh, run an attack ads on me, uh, which just to clear up the record, um, you know, I'm, uh, I support a woman's right to choose and uh, Roe v. Wade went away. I know that that worries a lot of people, but Roe v. Wade is codified in the Connecticut state law. Uh, it allows a woman in the first trimester, uh, allows for abortion unless the health of the, the baby or the mom is at risk. I think Connecticut law is right where it's going to be. When where it should be. And uh, I don't know why Governor Lamont, I called him on the beta, then I said, why are you scaring people across Connecticut? I've said it multiple times. Uh, it's not going to change. So it's good to be on just to clarify that record. We need to do that. Um, but really, the issue on people's minds to me is uh, the economy and crime. And uh, both are not good right now. We've got a solution. If we, if we have time today, we'll walk you through it. But we as, as people focus on uh, the economy, and crime and parental rights, um, we're going to do well. We're going to win. It feels different than 2018, Paul. We got momentum, more momentum this time. And obviously the point that I'd like to probe with you today is how you get people to talk about what you want them to talk about, not what they want Ned Lamont to talk about. So last yes. night you got endorsed by Glenn Youngkin, the sure. governor of Georgia, who won last year, a Republican. Uh, Virginia, actually. But Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And basically when he won last year, I would argue that was the time one could be the most optimistic about a Stefanowski candidacy, right? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I wrong? I mean, what Youngkin did was we have, a, we have a situation now in the country where voters generally agree with Republicans, at least as much Democrats on issues. Redistricting then helps them win more races. But Donald Trump is an albatross on them. He's got a very hardcore support, which helps them in primaries and then mm-hmm. hurts them in general elections in most states that aren't deep red. So you were able to see in Virginia. And now I'm getting in Bob's head. You'll tell me if I'm right. You were able to see someone who had a set of issues that were on people's mind that was current, right? About whether it was parents' rights, about pain with the economy. We're coming out of COVID now. And you had, you know, held your fire when COVID started. We're all in together and you had some criticism. And you felt maybe I could do that in Connecticut. Because in Connecticut, you can't win. You know, when Republicans are only 400-something thousand voters, when independents are over a million, you're not going to get them 
with a Donald Trump. So Youngkin was able not to alienate Trump voters, but also wasn't running as a Trump person. Abortion wasn't going to be a winner in Virginia. Is it fair to say that that's what it looked like a year ago and that right now it's not like Youngkin's Virginia? It's a great question. I, I do think he hit a lot of elections are about timing, and right. I think he hit it perfectly. Uh, I will tell you, we've got 40 days left. That's an eternity in mm-hmm. politics. So we and don't it's know. when people pay the most attention. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen in the next 40 days. I mean, look at the stock market. I mean, people are going to get their 401k plans uh, next uh, next week. They're going to be down 25%. Yeah, I've been um, noticing it's like in the 20, 25% range. Stock that, market yeah. is horrible right, right over now. Over the year, yeah. I think, Paul, the the difference, I think, in 2018 versus 2022 is a lot of the social issues, which don't necessarily work for a Republican and a Democrat state, are coming our way. And the most emotional issue I see out there is uh, government getting between parents and their kids. And, and, you know, whether you're Democrat, independent, Republican, you want to be able to raise your kids. And I thought Governor Youngkin did a terrific job of articulating that. I think he's gone a little bit further than I, I would go. But the fundamental practice is let's get schools back to teaching reading, writing and arithmetic. Let there be enough um, so that kids are tolerant of other viewpoints. But we should be teaching our kids how to think, not what to think. And John Allen has a question about that, but first, and we will read it, John, but first I want to let Bob fully explain the position. So first, tell me if I'm right and how I'm summarizing where you and Lamont stand so they can ask you a further question about it. Sure. So you've said you don't want, um, you don't want, you're not going as far as Youngkin on the transgender issues, but you did say you didn't think that certain sexual issues should be discussed in grade school, including gender and sexuality, that you shouldn't have the bathrooms for other sex, you didn't go there. I don't think we should have girls and boys, biological males and biological females in the same bathroom. No, and, we and should have you, a third one if we want. And you also said it. they shouldn't be a place. A transgender uh, female who was born male should not be able to compete in the other. Well, let me back up a little bit because everyone focuses. And I'm not trying to dodge your question, but we released a, a parental bill of rights, which is increasing the security in schools, making an investment in schools to make sure they're as safe as they can be. Many are not. For certain websites, requiring parental consent up to age 16, not 14. Having more visit for, for what? Some of these, tw- I don't, I shouldn't name them. But oh, some to of access these, websites. Yeah, access, yep. Um, I just lost my train of thought. But uh, working with teachers to come up with the right curriculum, having the curriculum be um, very transparent. Not demonizing teachers, but working with teachers. Um, not teaching kids in Connecticut, and I'm not saying it's happening in Connecticut, but there are parts of the country where Democrats are teaching sex education to, to grammar school kids. If it's not happening in Connecticut, why is it? Because you never know. There's been limits on Governor Lamont first time around because he was he knew he was running again. Unconstrained. I think he's fundamentally a lot more to the left than he's admitted. He's, he knows Well, you two disagree on all this stuff. He says the trans, and, and you're saying it's not just about transgender well, he, and sex ed. He, he, he he's saying that you're scaring people about something that's not a problem. Listen, they pay, I, I issued a nine-point plan on parental rights. If he wants to go at that one all the time, then he's making it. And there's no deal. question that Glenn Youngkin won on that issue. That was an issue where a lot of swing independent voters said, I'm not with the Democrats on this. People want to raise their kids, Paul. Government government isn't raising our kids. Families should. So and, separate from the merits of the argument, Bob, yes. if you think I fairly summarize what your two positions are. I think so. You know, in Guilford, that movement failed spectacularly. The parents' right thing, right? They, they, yeah. The Republicans, and it's not a liberal town, but they tried to take over the school board with that agenda at the same time as Youngkin. 
and they lost two to one. They even had a breakaway group of Republicans. Do you believe Connecticut's really there that they see sex in the sex, early sex education in the schools, mark in the bathrooms, per, parents? Maybe they do. Maybe, you know, parents should have more say in curriculum. Do you really think that's a Connecticut issue right now? Because that was not the kind of issue you were originally thinking you're going to be running on. Well, first of all, regardless, I, I got to say what I believe, right? Regardless of whether it's politically expedient or not. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, Paul, when you got the vice principal, you know the story, the vice principal on the Greenwich coming out saying he doesn't hire teachers over the age of 30. He doesn't hire Roman Catholics. He only hires Democrats and he wants to get to them early so they can, quote, indoctrinate the kids. That's a problem. Well, you know what my take on that obviously was? I mean, obviously, no, every, I'd be curious. What everyone is, what thinks it? it's terrible. And obviously that guy shouldn't be there. Yeah. But what Project Very tested is they got an attractive woman at a bar with this guy made him think he could have a chance of a date with her if he impressed her that he was some kind of uber crazy, you know, left-wing person. And he was trying to impress her. I mean, oh, that really is not, I don't is, know if that's could, really We should talk school. about this over a beer some night. Because I, I, listen, I don't know that the approach was correct. Okay. I, I don't think they should be secretly taping people. Others might say they did. No, but you're saying but, this but, is but a guy who's really well, in charge. You got to be responsible for right. what you to, say, hey, particularly when you got the custody over I'm kids. I'm agreed about that. Eight I mean, hours that's not a day. okay that that guy You said can't that. let him off he's based upon how they found out. I, you know, if, if, if whether he's lying or serious, he said it and he's in a, a position of responsibility. And it's not the only case. You saw the, the pizza up in Enfield where they where they compared pizza uh, pepperoni and they made all these analogies. You see in Southington last week where they're providing a glossary of terms and a history class. Oh, we know it's happening. We know it's happening to the extent of other states. I don't know. And you know what, Paul? People don't want it. They want to raise their kids. They want to have their kids taught reading, writing, arithmetic, maybe earn a trade. And we're going to bring it back to that. That's what our parental rights bill is about. If he wants to focus on transgender because he calls it extreme, let him do it. But we're focused on a holistic approach to letting parents raise their kids. Get government out of the way. John D. Allen writes in, LGBTQ plus people are being demonized by the GOP across the country. I think you get an example here of a swing voter mm. and on this issue. How can the Connecticut queer community believe that we would be celebrated and supported by a Connecticut Republican administration? Which is really interesting because, you know, yeah. a lot of cabinet yeah. Republicans or gay Republican group yeah. that, you know, until a decade or two ago, that was very mm. much a strong presence in the Republican Party in Connecticut. Well, listen, there's some of that out there. I, I forget what month gay, gay, uh, Pride Month was. June. Yeah. And uh, I came out and I said, I, I'm, I'm supportive of everybody and uh, have a good, you know, have a good month. I, I support it. I got attacked from the right on that. So, that, yes, he's true. There is some of that out there. But you know what, Paul? I don't care. If I wanted to pander to my base, I would have pulled down the tweet. I would have said, I'm sorry, but I got to say what's right. And I feel people have a right to live their lives as, a, as they see fit. And when I win, because we are going to win despite these crazy polls, I'm going to support everybody. That's my job as the CEO. The problem with politics today is everybody picks winners and losers. We haven't had a chance to talk about this, but Joe Biden getting up there and demonizing half of his electorate. I'm every, uh, this is a job interview I'm going through. And when I win, I'm going to respect everybody's opinion. And I'm going to keep people safe, which we need to get to. And I'm going to make it more affordable. And I'm going to work with teachers and the school boards and the parents to make sure that parents are able to raise their kids as they see fit. You know, I won't give you my stump speech, but you know, Paul, I grew up five miles from here on Dixon, not even five miles on Dixville Avenue. And, and I was at dinner every night at five 30. My dad worked at the phone company and I don't agree with everything he said, but you know, that's his opportunity to say what's on his mind. And then I went to school 
And I said the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning, and I learned reading, I learned writing, I learned arithmetic, I went to woodshop. Personally, and maybe all of your listeners and viewers don't believe, I think we need to get back to that. All right, Bob Stefanowski, Republican candidate for governor, looking to change the conversation in the final weeks, and we will get back to the crime thing. So even just a few months ago, when gas prices were so high, I mean, the way I look at stepping back, Bob, because I'm not covering it every day, you know, the mm. great work Chris Stewart and Mark Pazniokas and Dan Hardy, a great job day, they keep you guys honest. I just watch it, and I say, if you're running against an incumbent, you got to find the issues because people are always not happy they're coming about something. And you try to see what's going to stick. So there was a true corruption scandal, but that didn't really stick because everyone kind of knew Lamont was so rich he wasn't paying his own pocket, right? And then you kind of, you had the gas prices that everyone upset in the summer, but now gas prices at the lowest rate they were in 18 years. Crime was at, you know, people are upset about the increase in crime, but now we had crime going down. So it's not that there aren't real issues, including cost of living issues, but it does seem to me from the outside, this has nothing to do with the candidate. It has to do with, like, a candidate can't make unforced errors. Like, you can't go out there and say, you know, Trump didn't win. Yeah, you've made this clear that Trump didn't win the election. Yeah, you can't go out there and say that because then you're going to get creamed. Like, Leroy Lee is going to get creamed. I'm sorry to say, but you know, you said that stuff. But beyond that, someone's out of your control, like, knowing what's going to happen when. George Bush ran against Bill Clinton. He actually put in... The economy was actually getting much better, but didn't get better until the day after the election, right? So he went on the economy. Do you kind of feel like the rug got pulled out that, like, you know, gas prices go down their lowest in 18 months, crime goes down? I don't know where to start with that Were your issues taken away? Well, I don't know where to start with that one. I I love talking to you, actually. I just have to admit it. I love talking to you, too. You know, gas You definitely got the beer vote. Remember they used to say, the candidate wins if you want to have the beer. I don't think that's true anymore, by the way. But you definitely got the beer vote. <laughs> so let me start. Let me start with gas prices. Yeah, they're down, but they're still up a dollar fifty from when you know Governor Lamont and Joe Biden came into office. Let's talk about. We just had a press conference on public safety, and on uh, any of your listeners, I'd really be be, be uh, interested. Does anyone really think crime is down in the last four years? I mean, uh, um, sexual assault is up twenty three percent. Murders are are going to be at an almost a, a twenty year high in Hartford this year. New Haven, uh, they went down in half this year. New Haven, we got a better chief. Yeah. But um, maybe crime is down in Litchfield County, but it's certainly not down in, in in the cities. And you're certainly not hearing people say, "Geez, there's less car thefts or there's less catalytic converters." And and maybe people tell me what what they think. I, I got hit hear. by the catalytic converter. But uh, we, we parked now deeper in the drive. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a bummer. I mean, if you've been to the Hamden Mart, I grew up in in New Haven, North Haven. I used to ride my bike to the Hamden Mart. There's elderly people getting accosted in broad daylight. That never happened when I was a kid. So I don't know what time frame you want to use. Maybe crime was down last year, but it's certainly not down over the last four years. It's certainly not, and I think they used last year's numbers in that report. It's certainly not down this year. So, you know, to be him for, for Governor Lamont to be taking a victory lap on crime, he got a 97% voted disapproval from his own state troopers. 97% of the troopers said, we don't trust his leaders. That's unheard of. So crime is a real problem. He can try to spin so what it away. So your crime plan today? You had a press conference. What's your well, crime plan? First of all, the, the, the police accountability he passed, portions of it, in my opinion, need to be reversed. We need to hold the uh, police officers that do something wrong fully accountable. This thing in, you know, with the with the, the, the horrible incident with the guy in the back of the van and that video and, and, and why he wasn't, um, you know, in a seatbelt. Or um, why they dragged him on the floor yeah, and, and, the and, and multiple people were doing it. That's not right. And, and you have to hold those people accountable. And I will when I'm governor. But for the other 99 percent that are trying to do the right thing, it's hard. They they took away their their qualified immunity, and and I don't think 
personal asset should be at risk if something goes wrong that really isn't your fault. And you know the, the, the result of that, Paul? No more high-speed chases. No more, you know, no more really trying to search these things out because officers are saying, well, I'm not going to do it. Uh, City of New Haven's down 100 officers. And you're not the only one saying that, Bob. People are saying yeah. that police officers feel because of their qualified immunity was taken away and yeah. because they have car chases, they can't get to do their job right and do the bad guys. I want to push back from what the other perspective is. Sure. Okay. And there are two questions here. Yeah. One is, I don't know that there's evidence that qualified immunity is the issue because if the system works right in the courts, it's actually very hard to convict a cop. For a jury to convict a cop, they really have to have done something wrong. By the way, you and I agree. Police officers, most of the time, they want to do the job right. Mm. And I actually don't believe they should usually be fired, even if they have a bad day. We had an officer who had saved a guy from a burning car who had almost killed him in a car accident. But that same officer then had a guy in handcuffs where he handled him wrong. I didn't think he should have been fired. Mm. But the qualified immunity, it has not been proved that you ever, ever convict a cop who hasn't done something completely egregious. Mm. So your point of is in the professional line of duty, they should not be personally liable because they're working for the government. Well, my point is I, I only can tell you what I hear, and I've probably met with... Oh, you're definitely hearing it. That's definitely the line of the police unions. So, and, and, and I hear officers or the unions now getting out personal insurance to cover for it. So I have to believe it's it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to spend money on insurance. And in so a high-speed chase, what's so interesting about that, Yeah, there are definitely, and it tends to be more conservative people and some cops who say, if we can't chase the bad guys, we can't get them. But what I've noticed in New Haven, we lost a couple of beloved officers who were speeding to a scene. Mm-hmm. There actually has been a consensus, liberal and conservative, that most of the time those high-speed chases are extremely dangerous to the officers. They don't help you catch the person. That with increases in technology that everybody's safer, pedestrians will get run over in a high-speed chase. Officers whose lives we've lost in New Haven and the people themselves driving, even though they've caused the problem, that that actually there's a very good reason not to have the car chases, that you don't solve crime more. You actually have more people die. And that there are other ways to catch up with the people, especially with getting yeah. GPS and getting the photos of it. So are, do you think when you say we're not chasing them, we're not solving crime, is that something you believe based on evidence? Well, you could debate um, whether high-speed chases are appropriate. I, every situation is probably different. My point is one of the big things I also hear with police police officers is lack of respect, and they don't think the governor respects them. And it was in vogue two years ago. And I understand why, after the horrible incidents we saw, to defund police, uh, not respect them. And, and that's why we have a 100 officer shortage in New Haven. And and again, this is not about allowing police. You think that's why New Haven has the shortage? Absolutely. Because, you know, there's a nationwide shortage in all industries, right? We can't get yeah. enough public health people to, to keep track of cases. We can't get enough people at the library to keep open hours. Police officers are, yeah, under a lot of pressure. They well, felt why are so many retiring early or as soon as they can? And why are the recruiting classes so small? I, I don't know how to explain it. It's a combination between lack of respect, lack of pay, and a police accountability, in my view. And it sounds like we could debate it a little longer. But in my view, that's gutted police forces across our state. Okay. Bob Stefanowski running for re-election as state. Now, another big issue has been affordable housing. Yeah. And you would like to get rid of 830G, which Mm. says if a town has almost no affordable housing and there's a benchmark, then if someone wants to build affordable housing, they're not always talking low-income housing, like the ones they're fighting in, is it New Canaan or I forget where it is, where they they don't want something that's like where firefighters could move in, that they have to show there's a reason not to let someone build apartments in some place that's like one-acre zoning. You want to repeal the law. Mm. Tell me why. 
first of all, I'm pro affordable. I'm a product of, of affordable housing. You know, I grew up in Newhallville on Pond Street and Dixel Avenue. My dad came to me one day, said, we're moving to North Haven. I didn't want to move. The three family house, we were in the bottom floor. My parents, uh, my grandparents were in the middle floor and we had probably you actually, we had crazy college students on the top floor from Southern partying all day. Um, no comment. And, uh, we didn't want to move, but my dad went to Hill House and he said, I want a better school system for you. My dad worked at the phone company for 30 years as a clerk. So we moved to North Haven, $25,000 house, two bedrooms. And I slept And this is not a sob story because it was a great uh, environment. I slept in a walk-in closet, which was fine until I crossed six feet. And then I had to curl my feet up a little bit, but it was a terrific, more people should have the opportunity than I did. But 830G, you realize that law came into effect before the fall of the Berlin Wall? It's obviously not working. So well, I think that's we should, been in debate, Bob, because there have been thousands of units created that wouldn't have but been. People counted. are arguing that most towns don't comply with the 10 percent rule. So how can you how can you argue over that time? So period? your argument would be that after all this time, if towns, if this hasn't succeeded to force towns to have 10 percent housing, that shows that if it's been 30 years, something else can work. Absolutely. Better. And, and I think it's more of a collaborative approach every time and before we get to collaborative. So, so there is another argument, which is that. True, it didn't get you 10%, but there are thousands of units that otherwise wouldn't have been built. So why not build on something that's working? Well, would anyone tell you that we've got enough affordable housing or that we've made enough progress? Nobody. So could a collaborative approach work if towns don't want to collaborate? Well, you you need to bring the stick out at some point. But right now, all we're using is the stick. We're saying submit a plan. If you don't get to 10%, we're taking away your funding. That's not the way to work with towns and cities. We've got hundreds, if not thousands, of, of abandoned properties on the books that the government owns. Let's refurb some of those. Let's work with the towns and cities and create quality. So you say there's low-hanging clean. fruit first. There's low-hanging fruit But there. you're deferring the tough question of what the stick would be. And that's okay. You're well, running for office. No, no, no I'm not trying thoughts. to dodge it. I, I, you're not one I can dodge. Um, at some point, yeah, you need to sit down with the mayor and say you're not doing enough. And we're either going to fine you or we're going to do something. But right now, the pendulum. But that mayor can't get reelected in New Canaan if he does anything. She does anything. Some of these towns are doing pretty well. They've got reasonable plans. Um, some of them are actually over 10%, and the rules are wrong. Why do you count a senior in affordable housing half a person? Why, if it was built before 1990, doesn't it count? So this is not trying to, about trying to skirt the rules. It's about changing a situation. We have an affordable housing crisis, and there's been a bill in, in effect for 40 years. It hasn't worked. It's tried to, maybe not 40, 30 years. Time to change our approach. So one thing I think about when I step back, separate from how it gets discussed on the campaign trail, how do you really desegregate? I mean, whether it's schools or housing, if people don't want to be with people who are different themselves or have diversity around them, or if they're in a suburb and they really just want to have no density, what's at the root of it? We know that race is part of it. We know that part of it is how people just want to live and they have more means. and They want to keep out the next person. We'd like to move to a beautiful place and build a house, but we don't want the next person to build the house because we want our view there. How do you fund them if people are going to resist it the way they do and not make laws work? Are there other approaches rather than laws that could, or do we just say, look, it's not going to happen if people don't want it. Let's just give more aid to cities where people congregate and throw up our hands on that issue. I don't know where there's so many things in there. Um, One of the best courses I ever had, I took it at GE, was called Unconscious Bias. Everybody has it. You don't realize it. And I think the more we can make people sensitive to it, the better. In terms of education, I think the education funding should follow the child. And that's not about abandoning Hill House or, or the inner city schools. It's about giving kids a choice. Uh, my niece grew up in New Haven. I think it was the sound school she went to. 
She ended up going to Brown on a scholarship. It changed her life. Sound, I don't think sound we, is a big success story. That's yeah, so it was yeah. terrific. And I don't think kids should be trapped in a perform, underperforming school district based on their zip code. It's not fair. It's not right. Um, we moved to London one year. I, I'll, I'll divert just for a second. We moved to London. Everybody said, you got to go to the American school in London, you know, massive donors and big buildings. And we sent our kids to a, a city school in Olympia. It was the best experience they ever had to get diversity. My daughter came home one day. She was crying. I said, why are you crying? Well, I didn't get invited to Betsy's birthday party. And she said, everybody gets invited to birthday parties. I said, don't you realize not all families can afford to send the entire class? And, and that was a, it was tough at the time, but that's a good lesson for her. We need more diversity. And when, when I win, and we are going to win, Paul, I'm going to surround myself with people with a lot of different interests. You, you know, if I hang around with my buddies in North Haven and New Haven that I grew up with, I'm not going to learn anything new. It's fun. But I don't think people like diversity sometimes because it's uncomfortable. They, people surround themselves. I, I don't think you do it, I, I imagine. But a lot of people surround themselves with people that are like them. So they never have any any tension or, or any uh, diverse discussion. I'm going to do that. I'm going to force it, uh, certainly in my administration. And if I can integrate more people in the state of Connecticut, that's a home run. Bob Stefanowski running for re-elected as a governor. You listen to WNHH 103.5 FM live stream from our studios in New Haven, Connecticut. So, Bob, I want to get back to your visit to Pond Street, where you grew up in New Hallville. Yeah. So one thing you told us you were going to do different this year, and you've made good on that, you felt when you ran for office, you should show up in cities. That, yes, there yeah. are 18,000, 20,000 vote margins for Democrats. You might not, you know, Republicans doing this in some other areas, too. They're saying, okay, in, in Illinois, particularly in Chicago, they say we're not going to win an urban enclave, but that it's important that we show up and get some of those votes and show we'll have a program for that. So you came to New Hallville. You said, I grew up in low-income housing. And I understand what this is like. They say, yes, I'm wealthy now, but unlike Ned Lamont, who grew up as an heir to a fortune, I know what it's like to live otherwise mm. I earn my money. So on the one hand, you got some very positive response from some people say, I saw his face. There are different solutions to problems. It's not always a liberal conservative thing. Other people said it's not really low-income housing. That, in fact, going to North Haven, which white people were more able to do because of racist zoning, was actually white flight. And that's what caused the problem. It's a fair criticism. Well, let me start by saying it was probably one of the top five days of the campaign. It was a great and, event. Uh, and we were, we were right outside uh, Visel's Drugstore, which has been there for 80 years. And I used to ride my bike to Visel's. And the dad, it's, it's the dad and the son now, he, said, he came out and he said, you know, your grandmother taught me how to ride a bicycle. And I think the press was even surprised because it's one thing to talk about coming out of a, a city and, and earning your way to where you are. But they saw it. And then we walked down the street to Pond Street. And um, we had several people come up to us. I think the, the press were kind of, are these people plants? They weren't. One guy came up to me. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I grew up down the street. Willis. He said, so what are you going to do for us? I said, well, first of all, I'm going to care. Because first, I, I understand what you're going through. Second of all, I want to create a sense of independence. I want to provide jobs. And maybe he was telling me what I wanted to hear. He said, we want jobs. We don't want subsidy payments. We need them until we get, you know, not him personally, but until people get that that that's uh, support. It's a problem and, and we need it. But Democrats have created a sense of dependency. Well, there's no question on the merits of social issues, whether it's food, hunger, jobs, economy. Worked. It's been 40 the, years. Paul. The Democrat Republican argument. If Republicans actually go into minority neighborhoods, they they've gotten votes. They increased their vote among Latinos, for instance, and black males last time. But there's the image of the National Party, which is also often playing to white racists. Yeah. So it's kind of like. Each party has to figure out, you know, so you showed up in New Hovel. People yeah. appreciate that, the argument. 
What about that argument? It's not at all a knock on your family, not at all in a million years a knock on your father for wanting a better life, but black families couldn't do that. Yeah, well, and that and that part of what's happened with affordable housing is there were these suburban barriers, although eventually North Haven did get more black population. But there was this ability for white working class families to leave cities, go in the suburbs where it was then cheap to move and social problems were sort of concentrated cities. So is it true that you experienced low income housing and had the story same way that people who might be have their options limited right now. Well, I, I, one of the reasons, and I'm really not trying to dodge your, your question. No, I know. Because I, I, I don't know. think it was, I don't think it was um, focused on race. I really think with my parents, it was focused on education. And they had just That's what I'm saying. It's not about your parents. Um, but a black family didn't have the same opportunity. That's a problem. That is an ex- absolute problem. And one of the reasons I'm running for governor, people say, oh, you're, you're this rich white guy. We don't care. More people should have the opportunity that I had. That's why I'm running. And that's why and you're saying you support school choice and vouchers. School choice, what doctors, about magnet schools, what charter do we do schools? What do with the fact that some mostly white suburbs don't want black families in there? That's not right. But but should we allow a developer unilaterally come up and put a skyscraper next to a Cape Cod house that's that family's primary investment and asset in the world? No. It's about working with the communities. I am absolutely an advocate for Ford. How could I not be? I'd be pretty cynical or a pretty bad person if I wasn't for what got me through this. And, and I guess 20 years ago, $25,000 was a lot, but my dad bought a $25,000 house, a 30-year mortgage. And I remember him reconciling the checkbook at the kitchen table to the penny every month. More people should have that opportunity. Right, he got Charter the schools, asset. magnet schools have done a terrific job. And this is not about abandoning the schools in the city. Some people don't. It's the issue I have with, with Democrats sometimes. They assume everybody wants to leave the city. We got to give people choices. Well, that's, that's it's also be a about good city. consequences when you're beyond a campaign. So Jeff versus O'Neill tried to desegregate the schools. Their one big idea was to have school choice where city people can go to suburban schools and fund magnets more. That actually increased segregation in New Haven. It was mostly white oh, parents. So. White parents more took the advantage to go to the suburban school. Interesting. And then the black families who did found that they really weren't welcome there. You know, it's not good. So that's why I was saying that I think some yeah. of these problems go beyond the way we talk about them on campaigns. It's more complicated. I, I hear you. But what I'll tell you, Paul, I'm committed to try to make it better. I, you know, and, and sitting with a law that's been on the books for 30 years that hasn't made it much better. That's not the way to go. I'm going to work with teachers to do it as well. This is not demonizing teachers. One quick question. My wife is a Mets fan. Yeah. So she's been watching this pennant season and you and Ned are all over there with your commercials. And I get kind of jarred by it because first Ned has a commercial saying, I fought for the minimum wage when it turns out he was against his party on that. And then you have people saying, I'm mad as hell. My utility bills are up. I blame Ned. But how can they blame Ned when, and by the way, I don't think either of you is lying. I don't think you guys have gotten ugly. I think Connecticut, he, we have a lying on his pro-choice of commercials. That's but what I mean is they're not saying things about like, you know, you stole this, you did that. Yeah. But anyway, I think the tone has been civil and better than it is in other states on both your sides. But when I'm watching that, I said, well, Ned, you kind of stressed the truth there on the minimum wage. You really fought your party's left wing on that. And Bob, how can you have someone saying I'm mad at Ned when my utility bill's up where everywhere in the entire country, in the entire world, every red state, blue state, utility bills have gone sky high because of the war in Ukraine, because of problems with the supply lines, because of um, climate change storms. Was it really fair to attack Ned on utility bills? You know who has the highest utility bills in the continental U.S.? State of Connecticut. And that's you know who has the high, second Roland highest too. taxes in the, in the entire country? The state of Connecticut. But that was true under Roland, too. You know who, there were factors. Well, energy. maybe he didn't do a good job either. You know who regulates the utilities in Connecticut? The state of Connecticut. 
you know what Eversource gets every year, regardless of their performance? A guaranteed 9.5% return. We're going to disband Pure, the Public Utilities Regulatory Authority. We're going to put consumers, consumer advocates on that board. We're going to hold them accountable for their performance, and we're going to get rates down. Right now, people are filling their oil. I know it's not electricity, but people are filling up half their oil tank, Paul, because they can't afford to fill it and keep feeding their family. Meanwhile, I'm going to sound stumpish here, but meanwhile, we're, we've got $6 billion budget surplus in Hartford. We need to give some of it back to people. It's ra- he says it's a rainy day fund. It's pouring right now in New Haven. I know it's been interesting to me about that. I feel like Democrats and Republicans have changed sides on that. So we have this big surplus, and Wall Street has said that Ned Lamont's done a good job with our finances because the recession's coming and he's built up our reserves. And the Republicans are saying, this is the rainy day. If you have $3 billion in reserves, spend some of it on tax relief. And the Democrats are saying a recession's coming. We have lower borrowing costs because we did these savings. Let's be fiscally cons- conservative. He's not doing it because he, Governor Lamont's not doing it because he needs to call a special session to do it. And he's worried about controlling his own caucus. And the standard rule in politics is don't make waves. Don't call a special session in an election year. Why in the world did he let the diesel tax go up? It was scheduled to go up. He didn't stop it because he would have had to brought the legislature in. Well, and did he's it afraid. go up? It went back to where it was before a temporary loss. It, it, incre- it, it increased the, the price of gas. When, and I love this debate. It increased the price of gas when they were at all-time highs. Why would you ever let that happen? The only reason is politics. You don't want to get in the room with Republicans and Democrats. You're afraid it's going to get out of control. You think you're up by 15 points, so you play it safe. I'm not going to play it safe when I'm governor. I'm going to put the people of Connecticut first. All right, Bob Stefanowski, running for election. Thanks so much for coming back in. I always love I love Bye. this debate. we got to have more time. Can we well, do more time someday? Sure, All sure. Right, we'll and, do a double. And what I want you to do is get stumpish. you got 30 seconds, Bob Stefanowski. You're down in the polls. Some of the issues you're hoping to run on aren't swinging your way. Hmm. What do you what do you want people to know in 30 seconds as we go this home stretch of campaign about why I'm timing should, myself here? Yeah, okay, I should do that. Too. Okay. <laughs> Listen, if you honestly think it's safer than it was four years ago, you honestly think it's more affordable than it was four years ago. You think education is better and a parent's ability to raise their kids. Uh, you think the infrastructure is better? Vote for Ned Lamont. I get it. I've got a plan. We don't have time to go through it uh, to reduce taxes to reduce inflation. I got a public safety plan that's going to support law enforcement, still hold them accountable, make people safer. And I got a parent's bill of rights that's going to help us raise our kids. That's what we're going to do. It's time for a change, Paul. We've had 12 years of a Democratic governor, 40 years of a Democratic legislature. It's not working. It's time for a change. The second hand doesn't work. <laughs> but you came in. Keep going forever. Bob Stefanowski, you, know, you, you made it in. Bob Stefanowski, thanks for joining us. Always great to be on. All right, Ken, you're welcome back anytime. Okay. Thanks to Harry Dros, the best station manager in the business, keeping it going on seven or eight platforms. I've lost count. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. This is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night at WNHH. New Haven's home for community radio.